Grace and peace to you. Uh, my name is Jennifer Chedister, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 today. Chapter 6 kind of starts off with a bang. Uh, verse 1 says, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare? Some versions say, How dare you? Okay, go before the law, before the unrighteous instead of the saints. Paul's really chiding them, he's really shaming them. Uh, even in verse 5, he says clearly, I say this to your shame. Uh, the Corinthians, uh, he's shaming them for choosing going through the court system rather than solving issues within the church itself. Um, God set up the system of judgment as far back as Moses, and Moses judged cases, and then other faithful men were chosen to help him. And this was his father-in-law that came to visit him and told him, like, this is too much for you to do alone, so you need to uh, make changes. And so he said, you should choose faithful men uh, to hear the, the cases, and then the men should be those who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, and place such men over the chiefs of, wait, and place these men over the chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And then if something was too hard, then it went to Moses. So um, the system was set up long ago, and he's saying you should use it and within the church. And he said, then also we have Matthew 18 as well, uh, where it says, if your brother sins against you, uh, go to him, tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. But he does, if he does not listen, take one or two others with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or more gathered in my name, I am there among them. So the Lord, even in Matthew, gives us a system of how to go through problems if we have them. Right? So we go into verse, uh, from verses 2 to 4. He get, Paul goes on to say, hey, you're going to judge the world. So judging these small cases should be no problem. So he says, Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have, so if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? So if you remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, they were saying the qualities of a spiritual person is that they can judge all things. Okay, So that's one of the things, one of the gifts God gives us as a follower of him, is to be able to judge wisely. And then we can take this further and say, when he says, I say this to your shame, can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers? But brother goes against brother, goes to the law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Doesn't scripture tell us that if we need wisdom, we just need to ask? All right, James 5, 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And Proverbs is basically a whole book about wisdom. 
<laughs> it starts right away getting to the point. Okay, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 2, and then in chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom begins and ends with the Lord, and all true wisdom comes from Him. Verses 7 and 8 talk about lawsuits. Uh, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Remember that in 1 Corinthians, a chief theme is unity, right? And these verses are challenging, saying it's better to be wronged and to suffer than to speak against your brothers. Now, are we willing to do this or do we just want other people to do this <laughs> rather than us? <laughs> it's hard to be willing to be wronged and not want justice, especially in our culture. It's all about justice and standing up for your rights and things like that. So um, it's hard to accept that sometimes we just need to accept that people have wronged us and be content with that. Um, Verses 9 to 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Uh, some versions say, don't be suckered. Uh, Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. I love this section, kind of the way Paul goes around, goes on saying, the unrighteous won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. I can see everybody is sitting around, yeah, the unrighteous won't inherit the, he they won't inherit the, he the kingdom. And then Paul gets down to, and such for some of you. <laughs> he doesn't mess around. He gets right back to, you're a part of these people. Okay, you shouldn't be inheriting the kingdom, but you are because of Christ. So wait, really? Me? Yes, me. We tend to forget our own sins. We tend to become prideful and self-righteous. However, remember other sins too well. Okay. We were sanctified and justified in the name of Jesus by God's Spirit. Jesus is the one who does the work of salvation, makes it possible for us to draw near to him. Praise be to him for this. Moving on to verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated or enslaved by anything. Wow. Yes, we have freedom in Christ. And often we push this freedom to the point where things are unhelpful or even sinful. Are we, what are we dominated by? Are we a slave by choice? Here Paul is primarily addressing being dominated by sexual immorality. That may not be your primary sin, uh, but we also can be dominated by other things. Food, drink, appearance, material possessions. The only thing, rather the only one, we should be dominated by is Christ. I'm convicted by this verse in connection to eating. I love food, especially sweets. Um, it's dominated me often in my life. Uh, recently, I've seen a huge connection between praying for the Lord to break the slavery to being able to eat more healthily uh, by choice, by His grace, because my choices are not the best <laughs> for eating. Um, so I'm not there yet, but the Lord has been working in me uh, over this past year, especially, um, to be eating more healthily. Uh, 
John Piper says, uh, cast your body, the bondage of your body, cast off the bondage of your body. You were not meant to be led like a dog on a leash of lust or hunger. Persistent yielding to the inordinate desires of the body against the voice of conscience is a life of misery. But to turn and to do the opposite, to avail yourself to the law of the spirit within, to fill yourself bearing the fruit of self-control and to pummel the rebel body into submission until it is no longer a master, but a servant. This is victory and joy. So there are two laws that govern our behavior. The law of love, will this be helpful? Will it build us up or build somebody else up? Or the law of liberty, will it enslave me or will it addict me? So when considering an action, we need to ask ourselves these two questions. Will it build up? Will it be helpful? Or will it enslave me or addict me? Verses 13 to 14, the food was meant for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Uh, Paul Barnett says the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which it says later in these verses. The, that body is meant only for union with the Lord. Uh, fornication, sex before marriage, joins two persons as one flesh, which means rupturing the one spirit relationship that was risen with our risen Lord. It means sinning against our own bodies, which have been purchased by God and the immeasurably high price of the sacrificial death of Jesus. Therefore, the believer is to glorify God in the body by living in sexual purity. Our bodies are meant for the Lord and the Lord for our body. How do we take care of our bodies? When preparing for this, I found a very interesting uh, talk that someone had done about uh, exercise and our bodies. Um, I, it, I found it to be a diversion. It took up way too much time, too. <laughs> so if you're interested in a few of those notes, uh, I can pass them on if you just let me know. Um, but the, ba the basic idea is the better we take care of our body, the better we can serve the Lord. The main point here is that our bodies are for the Lord. Uh, John Piper points out that our bodies have been given to us for one reason, to be an instrument in glorifying God. And the way that we use our body and the way that we take care of our body should communicate that the glory of Christ is all satisfying, meaning that we don't need other things like sex, comfort food, spa time. Not that comfort food or spa time are always bad, except when we run to them rather than running to the Lord first. Okay? We went to them to get through tough times, and we need to run to Christ first and be content in Him. Do you believe that God can raise you up by his power from whatever has been dominating you. Will you believe and trust him to do so? Verse 14 clearly tells us God can raise us up. It clearly says God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So he can bring us out of anything that is dominating us right now. Verses 15 to 18. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the Lord will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of his own body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. 
So having a sex with another person makes you one body with him. That is why God designed sex to be within the bounds of marriage. In our culture today, sex has become very commonplace, which actually is very sad, and I feel like it really cheapens it and takes away the magic that God meant it to have. Um, it's supposed to. It's meant to be meaningful within marriage, and inappropriate visual visual images bombard our culture. Uh, we forget or ignore the message that uh, the the we forget or ignore the yes that sex is as much a spiritual fact, a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. That's the message translation and how they put. It. I thought that was a good way to say it. Sex is as much as a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. In our culture, people tend to get try to get God out of the picture, put him on the back burner, all right? And in uh, part of this uh, part section I was reading about Piper said, once God is out of the picture, then my conscience has no ultimate significance as part of God's image. So let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. Uh, if, you just, if you can keep God out of your life, then you can proceed with your indulgences, and then physical pleasure win wins out. That's the mark of our culture. Physical hedonism, meaning if it feels good, do it. Why deny yourself? The curse of our culture is that physical pleasures are desired more strongly than spiritual joy. When we get to verses 19 and 20, Paul really gets to the bottom line. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom, have you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I didn't really have much to add to that. I thought it was pretty clear that they were <laughs> Paul wrote it. <laughs> uh, God honors us with a body. Let's honor him and return with our bodies. And let's glorify him with our bodies.